just want to go ahead and get right into it. Okay. So, Halo Infinite is getting a lot of shit right now, isn't it? It is. It is. Because everyone's saying it's actually... I want to pull up that that trailer. Or not the trailer, but the actual Xbox... What was it? The Xbox conference? Game Showcase. Now, yeah. were you there with us at the start of... Because Megavisions did like a private showing of it we all got into the, in discord, the discord channel yeah. there's probably about like 15 of us were you there when that was actually being shown off uh i was i i started right at a when it started at 11 my time i was not there for the pre-show which apparently there was aaron from game grumps and uh, yeah. a bunch of other people show like i don't i don't know what he, i never looked it back up but i think he was like promoting something or maybe he was just a guest speaker or something like that there was some game that graham was uh was hyping up uh i guess it was about like giant robots but it's not it's not gundam i didn't catch on to it because i see aaron i turn off the tv i'm a simple man uh well that's great because game grumps you never see him you just hear him (laughs) (laughs) um no so about about halo infinite apparently that was running off of a pc when they were showing off the footage I don't know how much that is true. A lot of people are giving shit to the developers on the enemy models. Me personally, I didn't think it was that bad. I honestly didn't. I mean, granted, we also we were watching it through Discord, but I went back because the Discord stream that we were watching was a little a little rough. shitty because it's, it's it I mean rough. it's Discord. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of people in there. But I went back and checked out like the 4K. That's what we're playing right now is the 4K 60 frames per second. And uh there was an interview between Alana Pierce and uh, I guess it's one of the developers of Halo or I forget what his name is, but him, he was like, you guys should go, you know, go check. He goes, it, it was, they, it was streaming. Go check out the 60 frames per or the uh, yeah, 60 frames per second, 4k. And I, I made the mistake of looking at the comments and the comments were just fucking roasting <laughs> everything in that video. Like, cause even rich too, he was like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't, from what I see, it's not bad. Like, it's going to improve by, you know, holiday season and all that. Uh, comments were not very forgiving at all. So. <laughs> they have four months at best. I mean, with localization, like, at, at this point right now, they should be focusing on localization, not fixing the Gra- game. Graphics should be almost done, if not already done. So I don't know, like... I don't know how much more that they they would have to do. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Is this just going to be another one of the situations cuz I did see that Halo Infinite is planned to be a 10-year game. Jeez, yeah, I saw that too. There was that article that came out that So is this going to be Destiny? Halo Infinite's going to be the next Destiny. Yeah. Which I don't know uh how they plan on pulling that off because destiny is very much about the community user base it's not it's not so much single player while there's obviously a single player aspect to it we've been conditioned that anytime we play halo it is your adventure with master chief and multiplayer has always been set in a different room yeah separate because multiplayer is you know your death match your capture the flag your whatever whatever the fuck you play yeah now are you trying to create like this mmo style pvp um yeah like are you trying to to make it where multiple master chiefs are on the map because that map is huge 
and they were making it seem like you're making an open world game. Yeah, when they went into the map mode, like when it went out, and it looked like at one point you might learn how to fast travel because it had like waypoints and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was an option for fast travel. Was there? They didn't explore, uh, but it, it looked like it at least. Maybe maybe I'm wrong because I only saw the the one trailer. But I mean, Halo Infinite is looking like a very different type of Halo game. But a lot of people are not yelling, and they're just ups- they're concerned. Because this trailer, and it's a gameplay trailer, the gameplay trailer uh, did not even look like it was up to par with Halo 5 uh, graphics. That's what I've been seeing a lot of the concern with. It's been a minute since I played Halo 5, and that's a memory that I try to block out of my mind. (laughs) I am not a fucking fan. I don't think it's that bad, to be honest. From, From the gameplay footage that I saw, I would say that the very least this was passable. But if Halo is going to be passable your for flagship four months, title, yeah, exactly, passable for four months, Halo is going to be your flagship title, your your premier launch, launch title, yeah. that's supposed to carry the Series X. That's passable is not going to cut it. It has to be cutting edge. It has to be top tier. And you can't and, say it's due to performance issues in the stream because they just said it was running on a PC. Yeah. I mean, in the stream is one thing. I mean, like, what really matters is looking at the, the 4K video. Because I get it. Like, streaming, you lose mm-hmm. shit in, in the stream. Yeah, there is a set waypoint in the map uh, setting. You just if, set a waypoint. If even then, like, they're they're saying, like, comments are saying that this is just not good, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell them. How many games have you we played with shit graphics but a great storyline? Oh, plenty. Yeah. Plenty. But this might I, be a different caliber, though, because it's Halo. I don't like making rules or trying to say that we need to give the pass to Halo or say that Halo should be held to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. Um, really, this is about next gen and next this this next gen compared Series X against Xbox One X is supposed to be a major step up. It needs to reflect that. Yeah. So it's not necessarily about the game as it is about the platform as a whole. Yeah, but you, I'll, I'll work. On I it. don't think I. I honestly don't think that the the shit that people have been given this game is unwarranted. I I just me personally I can deal with it. But if we're talking about the principle of it being next gen, if it's supposed to show off the fucking, uh, the twelve teraflops, if it's supposed to rival a fucking RTX twenty eighty Ti, <laughs> yeah, uh, it needs to show it. And this does not show it. So, I mean, that's all I got on Halo. I mean, yeah. They got a, they got a lot of work before launch. And if they're going to do this whole day one patch or wait a couple of months to uh, to do something about it because they've got the 10 years to fix it, that's a really shitty mindset. Especially coming from first party developer. Yeah, I'm thinking of it more like, do we want Halo to be a destiny? Like, if they're doing a 10-year project plan, like, that's what they're looking for. They're going to have updates. They're going to have events and shit like that. If it's good, all I'm going to say is that it better be 10 years of content. That's the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that you can't knock Destiny for. Because Destiny 2, every single year, may, either every single year or every two years, there's always a big expansion. All right? You had Forsaken. Now we have Beyond Light. I'm pretty sure there was something before that, maybe something in between those two. 
you can't fault Bungie because they're constantly coming out with content and it's it is supporting the game in the long run. So if Halo is going to follow that uh roadmap, mm-hmm. that floor plan, I guess you could say, uh good on them. Because you're saying that we're not getting another Halo in 10 years. Yeah, you're going to like they're going to be focusing on this one so. So it better be a big fucking game. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's so close to like holidays like less than 6 months away. Yep. Which makes me wonder if uh if they are having to do a lot of shit because of where they're at right now, what is the crunch going to look like with that? It's going to be it's going to be brutal. I expect that the game like campaign-wise is complete. Right. Like it has to be complete. And if they're going to do anything from this point on, it needs to just be solo focused on character models. To me, that looks like the only thing that's wrong with this game. What were some other major things we could talk about? We had Phil Spencer come on. We got some Forza play. What is this? Life is Stranger? Or what What? What is this game? Uh, tell, uh, tell me why. Is that what the game was called? Yeah, I don't give a shit. I don't dislike Telltale games. Mm-hmm. Or I don't like like point and click adventure games because that's essentially what it boils down to. It's like the next gen Monkey Island and Sam and Max and whatnot. My biggest issue is that I don't like Life is Strange, mm-hmm. and I think the it's an acquired the taste, developers I called. Yeah, like I remember my first time playing Life is Strange. I bought the collector's edition, uh, all the episodes and wow. shit like that. Kiki tried to. To get me to play it, and I played the first episode, and I'm like, nope. It's not for me. Not not for me. And that, it's just not. A lot of people give me, not give me shit, but they're like, man, Corey, you don't play a lot of games. And I'm like, no, I play games. It's just, if something's not going to interest me, like right off the bat, which I know doesn't sound fair, uh, like Life is Strange. Or what was that game that we saw in the Sony one where I was like, why is this indie furry game in here? Uh, and I, re- I remember what you're referring to is like Volcana High or yeah, or some uh, shit like that. those games. I'm like, they just don't interest me. Like I do play games, but I'm very selective in what I choose to like venture into and shit like that. You play everything on the other hand. <laughs> very rarely do I sit there and be like, no, nah, I don't want anything to do with it because I like giving something the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And usually, even if it's from a developer that I dislike greatly, I'm still willing to give it a shot. But I know just looking at that, um, it's not for me. The entire theme, the feel of the game, it's not my cup of tea. And guess what, listeners? That's okay if a game is not for you. That's why there's different genres of games. Uh, we did get some DLC for The Outer Worlds. Yeah, that's supposed to drop in September. I'm I'm willing to, to pick that up again. I'm pretty sure it's still downloaded on my, uh, on my Xbox. And then that reminds me, speaking of Xbox, uh, I'm going to skip ahead. The thing that I'm absolutely the most excited about, um, super hype, uh, Chris, Chris Powell asked me before the show started, he was just like, what are the games that you are most looking forward to? If, if, if you had like your wish list, what are the things that you would be most excited to see? And, like, I think my last one that I said, it was, like, I would like to see new content update for Fantasy Star Online 2. <laughs> like, get us back. Get us back to Episode 7. See see maybe if we catch up to Japan and move a little bit ahead of the curve. Because Japan's been ahead of us for quite some time. Mm-hmm. You know, they got classes that we don't have. 
and then they show off a Fantasy Star Online game, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, we freaked out because we're like, Sega, what? <laughs> oh my god, because it was just like, you know, I Fantasy, it was a big deal last year or the year before when Fantasy Star Online 2 got announced for the Xbox One. Huge fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where it essentially killed an entire scene. Everyone that was playing on the Japanese servers, all the, the Americans and Canadians... Came back to the United States, yeah. Because they spent years localizing that game, doing a very good fan localization of Fantasy Star Online 2. This, <laughs> this looks better. New Genesis? Oh, bro. It's Fantasy Star Online 3. And I think there's a reason why they decided not to call it Fantasy Star Online 3. And it has a lot to do with the American player base because fancy PSO2 uh, is probably bigger than what they expected. It's got a strong player base here in the United States. Mm-hmm. From what I understand, I they mean, were adding new ships. We saw that on beta day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, new Genesis. I think the reason why they decided to go with PSO2 um is that they don't want to scare away the people in the United States that spent the last six to eight months <laughs> grinding the game out yeah. and expecting endgame content to be coming downrange when all, oh, all of a sudden there's a new fucking game coming out. So is this just going to be the fuck Sega? Is this just going to be a huge major update to Fantasy Star Online 2? No. Okay. It is a separate game. Okay. So this is what's carrying over. Your weapons are carrying over. Your character model is carrying over. Your money... Your experience, all of that is staying within PSO2. PSO2 New Genesis is going to have brand new maps, brand new worlds, new monsters, uh, new leveling system, new combat system. Uh, It looks a lot more character action-y even than PSO2 originally. Yeah, and that that was just practically a fucking platinum game. This is even more dynamic than that. And what I'm really excited is that they're ditching the the trench warfare of Fantasy Star Online 2. And what I mean by that is that you go to a world and everything is kind of like laid out for you. You have one, two to three maps mm-hmm. that you traveled through, kill a bunch of these enemies. They're very generic. Um, you go through it once. You've seen it 100,000 times. The only difference is, is what difficulty rating you have it on. And the enemies get harder. This is open world. They have gone the open world route. It looks a bit like Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy You now have options. Yeah. You now have options to fly. There is a dash button where you're running across the entire overworld. It's like the the biggest thing that I'm excited about is that we don't have the trenches anymore. We don't have the 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 generic long corridors. Exactly. Now it's like a big ass expansive world i can climb the wall mm-hmm. like that's huge that's kind of how that's like monster hunter that's how like monster hunter world is it's monster hunter world still has the hubs but mm-hmm. the worlds you go like the levels and areas you go into are humongous now i don't believe you've ever played an old monster hunter world or a Mo- a monster hunter yeah game. i have so you know how no, everything was split up into areas that had loading times yep. in between those areas that was the biggest thing for Monster Hunter World was there was once you're in it, there's no loading times. I was going to say that was a really good analogy because Monster Hunter, I don't want to say that they're exactly alike, but it's very similar what you see in Monster Hunter comparing that to uh, Fancy Star Online. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
this this next update is a huge deal. And the only reason why I think it's not being called Fantasy Star Online 3 is because it doesn't they don't want to scare away the American user base. And the idea that you're able to transfer over your character mm-hmm. um is I think is a good idea. Limited. It's it's limited, yeah. like limited things that you're carrying over. Now that said, Fantasy Star Online 2 is also getting a graphical upgrade. I don't think it's to the same extent as New Genesis, but they are trying to make things match. And the storyline within Fantasy Star Online 2 is still going to continue. Whether or not uh, they do anything beyond Episode 7 is a big question mark. I don't know if uh, Japan has gone beyond Episode Mm 7 because the plan was to go all the way to Episode 10. Um, Yeah, no. Fantasy... PSO2 new generation. That's that's my game of the showcase. Yeah, like super. So stoked. I just switched the the I just switched the actual video to. I, I'm not able to do 4K because of the recording and everything, but I at least went to uh, 60 frames higher, and it looks fucking beautiful. <laughs> no, no, the game is gorgeous. You can move your fingers now. <laughs> oh, oh man, oh jeez, oh man. Uh, and then Peter Molyneux, Molyneux came out, and there's a new fable. <laughs> so it's not Peter Molyneux or Molyneux, Molyneux or however, yeah. however you say his fucking name. Because I made that same fucking comment as the stream was going on. You better keep his fucking grubby hands off this game. Which he is. He's not part of the uh, the team that's making this fable. He actually left the original developer after Fable 3 to create his own... Uh, his own development studio, which is not doing well. It was good. Oh, surprise. <laughs> surprise. It was just, it was just a title card. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I was never really that much of a fable fan to begin with. That wasn't I liked either. fable too. Um, so. Overall, I, th- I think the showcase was, it wasn't bad. It was okay. It was okay. It was just okay. Well, this, this is like the fucking week for you. Like you got, you got a new Fantasy Star game, and then going over into the next thing we're going to talk about, you finally got your fucking Shimagami Tensei. <laughs> I just want to talk about how fucking blue-balled I was when they were showing everything off. So first off, they were doing stuff for Cadence of Hyrule. It's getting DLC and a physical release yeah, later on cool. this year. Hey, that's cool. That's great. I'm all for it, because that's a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they showed, like, Rogue's Legacy or Rogue Rogue Point that stupid shooty shoot yeah i was gonna say rogue Rogue legacy is a different game (laughs) uh that's that's fine i do Um, like in cadence of hyrule how they're bringing in characters that actually work differently like the dlc characters like impa's long range there's one character that if you miss one beat you're dead so it's like hard mode yeah that's super scary yeah that's super scary uh no cadence of hyrule is a great game the music in there is fantastic uh, and even even the original game, uh, Crypt of the Necromancer, mm-hmm. y'all should go check that game out because that's a really good game as well. But moving beyond that, when they showed off the title card for Shin Megami Tensei, <laughs> I was literally screaming in my room. And I'm then not, they showed yeah. three, and then they showed three Nocturne, and I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> yeah, that was. Are you serious? This week was for you because I am not a. I've tried Shin Megami Tensei 4. I'm good. It's not my cup of tea. It's, it's one, it's a difficult game. It's hard as fuck. It's super hard. And if you don't have the mechanics down, um, good luck. Yeah. Because everything that you play in Persona 
is easy mode. I don't want to call it baby mode, but it's it's essentially like they hold your hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. And even Persona is not that easy of a game. Shin Megami Tensei is that cranked up to 11. It's not, it's a hard game. It's a hardcore game and they don't give a shit. They will kill you in your first dungeon and not think twice. That happened to me in Shin Megami Tensei 4. <laughs> yeah, no, like I get people rage quit in that game. It is a niche game. And, like, everyone respects it. Everyone was just like, okay, Shin Megami Tensei, okay, that is a quality, quality series. It's a quality developer. Mm. Uh, and that's what everyone was getting up in arms about with this Nintendo Direct. Because they were saying, like, where's all the other games that we've been promised? You know, Mario's 30th, 30th or 35th anniversary is this year. Uh, we're supposed to be getting a the anniversary collection that we got on the Wii with all the Super Nintendo games. It was, it was essentially... Oh, uh, yeah. Like the All-Star you know Collection, all that shit. There you go, the All-Star Collection. We were supposed to get an updated... Apparently, we're getting an updated All-Star Collection, and they're, like, mm. speculating it's going to be Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, the first Galaxy. Uh, you know, where is that? Where is Where are we at when it comes to... Well, Bayonetta 3. First of all, they're not going to show that on a mini direct. They're not going to show any of those on a mini direct. And on top of that, it was a partner direct. So it wasn't going to be anything that was first party. No. They're going to they're going to wait for that shit when next gen drops because people have to they'll be like, hey, still buy Switch games, even though these new gens are out. Here's Mario. You need Mario? Here's Mario. Don't forget about us. Yeah, that's what that's that's my prediction is they're going to launch those closer to the holiday season. They're going to release during the holiday season. It's this direct was about Shin Megami Tensei and they just need to like front load everything up. Mm-hmm. But when they released like Nocturne, when they released information on Nocturne, I was legitimately mad because <laughs> I'm like, you'll show anything but SMT five. Absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I am happy that Nocturne is coming out. I am I am very very happy that Nocturne is coming out. I'm hoping it's come going to be cross not cross platform, but it's going to come out on other consoles because you know a lot of my boys are just getting into Shin Megami Tensei. They're branching out beyond Persona, mm-hmm. and Nocturne Three is one of the best titles in the entire series, arguably the best title in the entire series. Um, like don't get me wrong, four four and Apocalypse is good too. But three is really where it's at. Um, but then they finally showed the trailer for Shin Megami Tensei 5. And we're getting both games in 2021. So next year is going to be very busy for me. Because I'm going to be playing the shit out of Nocturne. <laughs> and I'm going to finally experience SMT5. The game that was teased during the Switch showcase. And is like one of the only games that have not been like revealed anything. That in Metroid Prime Four, yeah. Like the, from the t- off the top of my head, those are the only games from fucking Switch's launch showcase that we haven't gotten any information about. I'd say I don't, was Bayonetta three on that showcase. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think Bayonetta was three was at later, the showcase. It? it was yeah. I think it was the following E three that they showed off Bayonetta three because it was a big fucking deal. Because Tiff was fucking screaming about it. That, that's her bitch. Well, that was the two big showcases that happened. This was These showcases were for Chris. These were not so much for me. All right. Well, I can now officially talk about it. 
Panzer Paladin released on uh, July 21st. Yes. The soundtrack was released like two days ago on Steam for $2. And you get 37 tracks, one of which is the main title theme and the Power Glove version of it. So that right there is Hell worth yeah. the $2. So mm-hmm. that game's phenomenal. I streamed it Tuesday night in its entirety on the normal run. Uh, we went ahead and did, we tested to see if there was a neutral ending, uh, but the neutral ending is just the lawful ending. Ending That game has two endings. Uh, you can do a lawful or a chaotic ending. Uh, the game is great. It is a throwback uh, homage to the NES retro era with uh, a lot of people are throwing in. They're like, this is, they're doing the thing. This is the Dark Souls of such and such. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Even though I feel Shovel Knight had more Dark Soulsy things in it than this game did. But the game's great. The game is fantastic. It's made by Tribute Games. Uh, I've reached out. I've been talking to one of the, not the developers. I, I, he's not the level designer. He's one. Of, he's on the Tribute Games team. I've been talking to him. And uh, I found out he has a podcast. And I was like, oh, cool. I want to check it out. He goes, well, it's all in French. And I was like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> they're based in Montreal. So Right. Uh, but no, he's a huge retro game collector. And he said that if you check out some of his videos or their live stream or their podcast, and I saw because they did like a launch Zoom party of when the game launched, and I looked in the background, and he has a huge wall. He's a retro game collector, and he just has a huge shit behind him. So I feel like he'd be someone that would fit in right with us. But no, the game is... It's a Mega Man style game. You have a world, you know, world map where it looks a lot like Street Fighter 2, where you can go around the world, pick which level you want to fight or go to. There's 10 weapon masters, and then you have your you go to your final final run of the game where you have six Wily stages, which that part is a little Wily stages are usually like three and then Wily fight. Uh six is a lot. It's uh six levels and then five bosses and then the main boss. So it's that's brutal. That's a lot for the final ending. And then to get if you wanted to be like, oh, I want to get the other ending. You have to play the entire six again. You can't just play the final level again. That's crazy. So when you were like, do the chaotic ending, I was like, I don't want to play this game for another hour. So because <laughs> <laughs> I've already played this game three or four times. But no, it's fantastic. It's available for Steam and Switch. I believe it's nineteen ninety nine. Uh, hoping for that limited run release, which is seeing as how popular it is. I see that coming soon, but no, that soundtrack, I was like, man, the main title's good. But then when it started going through the level sound or the level, uh, tracks, I was like, oh shit, I forgot. These are really good too. So $2 is well worth for a soundtrack of that caliber. We should, uh, we should try to talk him into bringing it out on vinyl. Cause that I I heard that soundtrack. That soundtrack's amazing. I am eight bit would probably it's super good. Do something about that. So I want to yeah. pull up. I want to pull up the uh, actual artist name for that did the soundtrack. Uh, let's see. Browse my local files. Oh, here it is. Patrice. B o u r g e a u l t. It's French. I don't know how to say it, but Patrice Borgul. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. But yeah, you should go check that out. I'm not going to spoil anything about this game I'm about to talk about. But I caught Hat Stares at the end of his Deadly Premonition 2 stream. That game is fucking stupid. It is ridiculously... 
Uh, if people remember, I know that I have not played the first game, but I, I watched a playthrough of it. So I know the ending and you're like, man, Deadly Premonition is kind of stupid and goofy. It's one of the reasons that people love it. This one shoots that shit like a roller coaster to the top. Like it's dumb. And Pat's review of it on Twitter said, this is the stupidest fucking game I ever played in my life. And he had audio desyncing issues in the game to where he didn't get the final scene of the game. He had to look up the final scene of the game. And he, 10 out of 10. So, (laughs) (laughs) I was watching the stream and I was like, the lips aren't syncing. And like, and then you hear the audio of the scene ahead of what's being shown. But then it never goes to the scene. And he just went, what the fuck? Oh, dude. dude. Nah. Yeah. Nah. It's, uh, I wish I would have watched the entire stream. Because that was, that ending was, I was just like, what the fuck is going on in this game? That's fantastic. I hope that game gets an update that fixed the frame rate issues. Because the frame rate is abysmal. And, like, in open worlds, quote unquote, open areas, it's like under 30 frames. Like, it's real bad. It's real bad. That's abysmal. That's real bad. So, but it's made, it made me want to go back. I was like, man, I kind of want to try playing a Daily Premonition 1. But that is a weird game. That is a game that I would have to probably sit down and stream because I'd just be like, what the hell is going on? So, uh, Carry On released this week. I have not played it yet. Okay. I uh you and Chris were talking about that. Limited it's from Devolver uh yeah, Devolver Digital. Uh it is the movie The Thing, a video game. It's a Metroidvania. Uh it has a lot of plot going on from what I saw. I saw John Smith playing it. It's got a lot of like you don't just play as the thing the entire time. There's like flashback sections that kind of tell like the lore of where how this area got to where it's at. And like I said, it's a Metroidvania, so you'll be backtracking through areas with new upgrades, and you'll be able to do new shit and all that other stuff. Uh, but I like that. Yeah, Limited Run has a physical version of it that you can actually order right now. I think with shipping, it was $40 on the Switch. Uh, but that sounds a little steep for a physical, and you're like, man, and I got to buy the game? They give you a Switch download code for it as well. Nice. So you can play it right away. Uh, but I have not played it yet. That is what I will be playing next week. But what, from what I've seen, it's it's it looks pretty fucking dope. Also, I tried over the weekend. This weekend was the I don't know. Do you remember the game Fall Guys that Devolver Digital showed? Yes. Uh, that was yes. the beta weekend. Uh, is the, was the, uh well now it's the previous weekend that just happened. Uh, but I was trying to get there was a lot of codes going around on Twitter. Uh, and I was trying to get one, but I was not able to get one. The game looks fucking fun. I saw John Smith streaming it, and it looks... Yeah, no, st- Fall Guys looks dope as shit. Yeah, uh, but what's good is we don't have to wait long. It comes out August 5th. So Nice. So in two weeks. So that is a Thursday night throwdown game to the max, because guess what? You don't have to have a crew to play it. You just jump in and play. Yep. Since it's a battle royale. Also, I, I've been seeing all week about the N64 leaks. Like, there's been a huge leak about, like, files out the wazoo of, like, sound files, uh, video files. Uh, and it's not just N64. I've been seeing, like, files for, like, Super Nintendo games as well. 
uh like yep. early prototypes of what yoshi looked like and like early prototypes of yoshi's island or super mario world 2 but what got me today was there was a whole bunch of uncompressed sound files that were released for f-zero x yeah it not so- i have not listened to those yet Are so it's good, not or- the music files the music files oh. from what i've read the way the N64 cartridge work, and you can you can chime in if I'm wrong, but a comment that I was reading, they didn't really have like sound, like music files on the N64. It was more like 64-bit music. It's MIDI files. Yeah, and that, I mean, that those have been out. So there's not mm-hmm. like an, un, there was, they were not compressed to go onto the cartridge. This is like sound files of like the, uh, you got boost power and uh, all right, the last lap, like, high qualities of those and like uh concept art of early captain falcon and shit like that so uh if you haven't checked it out check out there's there's leaks for shit tons of there was a leak to show that luigi is in and in mario 64 like apparently i haven't read into it but like that's one of the huge things uh there's a bunch the one comment that got me was like and no uh no earthbound 64 leak yet my heart is broken Nope. nope That's yeah, no, you're not getting that one. The final thing is, and I'm I'm excited to talk about this because I know we're gonna have opposing opposing views on this. Uh I made Chris watch the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World movie because this week or last week marked the 10th anniversary, which makes me feel old as fuck. 10th anniversary of the movie being released into theaters, and I believe a couple either a couple months afterwards, I believe the game was also released, which I was able. So let me tell before we get into the movie, let me go into I we did a Thursday night throwdown last week of Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the game. And yes. uh, we were gonna do it on PlayStation 3. And I log in, and it, this is the night before, and my buddy logs in out in California. And he goes, what the fuck? I can't go into network mode. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, we can go into the first level, but if you try to go to another level, it says you don't have the Wallace Wells slash network, like online DLC, go to the shop and buy it. And then it directs you to the shop of an empty shop because it's been delisted. So if you never bought the DLC for network play, which came out two years after the game came out, you cannot play that game on actual PlayStation 3 with people. That's shitty. <laughs> what do you say to that, though? Like, first off, you're like eight years too late. Yeah, unfortunately. You're you're eight years too late. Uh, the reason why that game got held up is because of fucking uh, licensing issues. And Ubisoft has no interest in trying to return to that, trying to fix that. It is what it is. So much that they like, troll people with it. It sucks. They trolled people. Yeah. It sucks. It is what it is, though. But luckily, you were able to recreate. Yeah. So there is the experience. There is this amazing uh, 13 year old YouTuber that had one of the best instructional videos I've ever seen in my entire life. On to the point where he was pausing in the video for you to do the action he just instructed you to do. I'm like, you're doing a video, bro. You don't have to pause. Like, we can pause the video. But uh, he he had this package of a PS3 uh, emulator. I think it was R. It's a pretty well known one. Uh, 
it starts with R, but I can't think of it right now. But he had a walkthrough of all the update packages for Scott Pilgrim uh, versus the world. And I was able to, with the help of Parsec, we all four were able to play that game Thursday night. And it felt great. But that game is still fucking brutal as shit. It's a hard game, and I just don't think it's very good. I have found uh, out the good way to play the game and to where it's not as bad. Apparently, what you need to do is save up like 130 coins, like $130, and buy a bionic mm -hmm. arm in the first level. A bionic arm ups your attack by 50, and you're literally one-shotting lower-level enemies. Okay, but what you're saying is that I have to... I have to farm in order to enjoy the game. I have to buy a broken ass weapon in order to enjoy the game. It's they it's the they didn't do the River City Ransom formula correctly. I believe this should have been just a regular beat 'em up. If it was a regular mm -hmm. beat 'em up, it probably would have went a lot better. Uh but what and the game's tough. It's very very tough. There's very unfair moments where enemies will just like especially at low level just totally fuck your shit. And I'm not talking mm -hmm. bosses. Like, they were literally to just run up. They'll block, because there's no way to get past their block unless you do a grab, which isn't the easiest thing to do. And, right. uh, but overall, because I like the aesthetics, because I like the game, and because I like the subject matter, it's still a passable game for me. Everything about the game outside of the actual gameplay is not bad. I love the music. Mm -hmm. Rock Club is one of the best tracks that I've heard on a fucking old school style video game. Oh, you did or retro style. Yeah, I know the one you're talking video about. Video game. Yeah, like I think Anamanaguchi was the one who did the mm -hmm. the the soundtrack. It's it's great. It's a great fucking soundtrack. But all that is nice. But when I can't play the game, or if I can't enjoy the game, like that's that's. Swear and it's even more tough on four person because they up the amount of they enemies. up the difficulty, not the difficulty. Oh, fuck that! They don't up the difficulty. They up the amount of bad guys that show up. That's that's a bunch of bullshit. So it was tough. No. We were not able to. We act. Someone accidentally. Uh, I say accidentally, and I say someone. Uh, Scotty accidentally went over to the no selection during the continue screen, and I hit the. I was like, all right, we're because it defaults the yes. So I was like, yeah. cool, I'll hit the A button. And it went, and then it hit the A button, and we had to start from the beginning. And for some reason, and I think it's because the guest, like the login system for the characters, like when you go to play multiplayer, you can pick a profile, but the only profile that you can pick on this emulator is guest because you don't, that's not how the emulator works. So all the leveling okay. up of those characters didn't happen. Except for my character that I was playing because the game was being Oh, uh, the, the playthrough is done. We, we we were like, we could pick up from right there, but we got to play like level one character. That was impossible. It was completely impossible. No way. So no uh, way. now what I do in my free time, and I've already done it for two characters, I'm going through and just playing, playing it, getting characters to level 16. And then we're going to come back probably a few months down the road. We've got uh, one guy that was playing with us that wants to play it again. So I'm like, okay, we're all level 16. Maybe we can up the difficulty to see how it is because once you get to level 16 and unlock everything, the average Joe level becomes trivial. Like, it's just no, like, it's nothing. Ugh, that's dedication, man. I like the You're game. You're doing it because you like the franchise. I like the game. Okay, yeah, you, you like the game. I like that's it. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, But we watched the movie. Yes. I haven't seen the movie in a very long time. I own it on two Blu-rays. 
I just bought the physical CD of the soundtrack because it was like $3 at half price books. I got the uh, first print run of the vinyl where it's the red vinyl with Scott Pilgrim in the middle and all that stuff for like 20 bucks on eBay. What did you think about the movie? Okay. I watched this movie with Tiff and um, I had to pause this movie like six times. Okay. Just to gather my bearings, just to <laughs> kind of digest what it is is being being put in front of me. It's it's like it's like a plate of food. You know, you're given this plate, you eat it, uh, and then you see someone coming out with another plate. I'm just like, hold on, pause. I need to I let this <laughs> need to let this marinate. I think I saw a a, a like an actual critic explain this best, uh, and he did it in like three bullet points. I'm gonna try to remember what they are. The first one is. This is like the pinnacle of attention deficit filmmaking that I have ever seen. This movie, its pacing is not good. It it just throw it is rapid fire. It just throws and I get it. Like the premise is Scott meets meets Ramona. She's like, "Hey, you got to you got to beat up my my seven deadly exes." And like, "That's cool." And then they just throw one after another. I think like one of them was was like back to back not 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 the not the twins but the third boyfriend oh to the fourth going into yeah. the into the fourth and i'm just like you're not giving me a moment to breathe you're just letting these two people be shitty to each other and then boom the fight starts and i'm like ah oh, come on dude no you can't make this movie a three-hour movie though you can't but the the way that you get around that would be and I get it. I understand that this is based off of a graphic novel. I get that there is source documentation that this is all being wrapped around. But honestly, had there been only four X's, it probably would have allowed the movie to breathe a little bit, probably cut it down a little bit shorter. You would have had more character development between the characters mm. because I got a very shallow representation or a very shallow greeting of Scott, of Knives, of Ramona, Young Neil, Steven, I know Kim. Well, yeah, I know I know nothing much about the band outside of Scott's interactions mm -hmm. with them. And I think it would have been very beneficial if I were to learn a little bit more about them because at this point I just hate everybody. This is exactly why I waited until like the day of the podcast to be like, "Hey, I want you to watch this movie." Is because I didn't want you to look anything up. I wanted to have okay. two opposed. I, I wanted my opinion, which is I started reading. I read all the com the graphic novels, and then I watched the movie and all that. And then I wanted yours where you had seen nothing and you just saw the movie. So okay. what's good is – so the movie, I, I agree. It's very fast-paced, and okay. that's because it has to be because this movie, like I said, can't be – I mean, it's barely over two hours. I think it's a, like an it's 147 minutes. No, it's it's less than two. hours. Is it less than two hours? So it's less than two hours. From from start to credits, it's less than two hours. It's like a, a hour 57. But you know, it's practically two hours. Yes. Uh, they are very true to so many things in the graphic novels, and I think that's what this movie was trying to do. They're very true until the ending. The ending is completely different, like from the graphic novels. Now that you've okay. seen the movie, I would like to, if you ever, do, if you get some free time, go back and read the graphic novels. They're really, okay. they're really good. I own 
the paperback versions, and then a couple years later, they came out with full-colored hardback versions. So I have those as well. I, I adore this movie. I love it. I But the reason is is because I had a history and a loving for it prior to seeing the movie. That would probably be the only way that I could understand yeah. that because – it felt like being a chaperone to a bunch of <laughs> shitty fucking people. Honestly, like nobody over the age of 25, I, I don't know how they could enjoy this movie. It's, it is so high on sugar and cocaine. It is, it is insane. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Insane. Plus that movie did not age well. Like some, some of the shit in there, uh, Scott to Wallace, Hey, you need to leave. Cause I don't want you gaying up the place. <laughs> Kim says retard at one point, and I was just like, ooh. <laughs> uh, Scott to Knives, are you even allowed to date outside of your race? Yeah, that one. <laughs> uh, Scott to Knives about her age when he's talking to Ramona, and there was that, that one scene is like, how do you know her or some shit like that? And he was like, I got to pee on her. Oh, that that's uh, just funny. <laughs> That's because his brain fucks up. The fourth girl orgasming to death. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, my my favorite aspect about this movie, I think the movie's terrible. Uh, I think it's a cringe fest. I think it's shit. Uh, I love Wallace. Of course you I want to be Wallace's friend. You know that's Macaulay Culkin's brother. Yeah, no, I know yeah. that. Because Tiff and I were sitting there. I'm like, is that Macaulay Culkin? I'm like, no way. No, that's not Macaulay it Culkin. wasn't. No, this was during the rough time for Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he might have no, been working this, at Subway at this point. <laughs> this movie's bad. Mm. This movie's really bad. That's fine. I know, I know that you love it, and I, I understand it. Yeah. I get it. But it reminds me back in 2011 when I first saw this movie. Uh, and when I say saw, I say saw because it lasted two minutes, mm. and then I fucking left. And I watched the scene where I want to say it was like one of the first fights. The The movie was just starting up. And what drew me to it is that there was a lot of video game... Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it starts with a Zelda references. intro. Yeah, no, and that that's, that's cool. That's fine. But watching the movie, I'm like, no, this isn't for me. I, I need to go. No, this is... And I knew when I recommend... When I said I wanted you to watch this, I knew that you were going to have this reaction to it. Like, I just, yeah, I just no, know. It's, it's a... It's bad. Uh, I love it. Uh, it has the dialogue is not always strong, but there are some points where it just fucking makes me the part and how my wife was watching it with me when <laughs> I'm laughing about it right now. When Knives shows up to Wallace's and Scott's place and she goes, hi, is Scott here? And Wallace has the door open a little too much. No, that was and funny. he runs off frame and then he closes it and then jumps through the window <laughs> and then grabs his jacket. <laughs> That is funny. There are parts that, that just come out of left field that get you. No, I'm not going to lie. There were scenes where I legitimately laughed, but there was a common denominator between them all mm -hmm. because Wallace was talking. Yeah. Or Wallace was in the scene being active or something like that. Guess I, who's drunk? <laughs> <laughs> he pops his keys right on Scott's head. <laughs> what was the one he walks in? And he goes, now, I just know you saw another guy's junk, and I apologize about that. <laughs> But no. no, but I, I, I don't want to leave it off saying, like, the entire movie is shit. Like, there were aspects of the movie that I did like. Uh, I think that the fight scenes, especially towards the tail end, mm -hmm. are actually very well choreographed. Um, the action in the movie is the saving grace. Like, the fight scenes were good. Save the first one. The first one was kind of shit. First one's a little cringy, but it's got to get – it's got to set it up. 
Yeah, but the the aesthetic, the I don't want to say practical effects because they're not practical effects, but the effects that they were using throughout the entire the comic book style and the video game style effects that mm. they were they that they were using, great. Yeah. I thought that they were really good. That's where the nice things I have to say about it end, though. That's, I would recommend for anyone that, that has not a good movie that has not seen this movie is to check out the graphic novels first. There's a lot because the graphic novels they do exactly what you want. They slow down between each. Uh, I think the graphic novels go over like almost the span of a year of, uh, or at least a few months of Scott and Ramona being together. So like the first fight okay. happens, and then there's like a couple weeks later, and then they fight with the boyfriend or the Chris Evans character. And what's funny is Chris Evans' character is a complete fucking asshole in this movie, but in the graphics novels, he's actually the least. He's the most likable of the exes. He's like, look, dude, we don't need to be doing this. This is stupid, and all this other shit. But they don't. They think they think he's evil because he smokes cigarettes. <laughs> That's the only reason. So it's it's funny. There's a scene there too that I have to bring up. Because when uh, Chris Evans is doing the grind down the uh, two hundred step rail, uh, it keeps cutting yeah. back to Scott going "Wow, wow!" And then the last one, he just goes "Wah!" And the reason he did that is because Edgar Wright yelled out, "Do it like a Muppet!" <laughs> so Michael Sarah just goes "Wah!" <laughs> but in all fairness, I don't like Michael Sarah as an actor. That was the only problem when I first saw the movie. When I first saw the trailer for this movie, I was like, I don't. And I still agree. I still feel this today. I don't like Michael Sarah as Scott. I just don't. I don't know a single role that I liked him in. Like, was he in Arrested Development? Am I thinking of the right? Uh, yeah. So he was in Arrested yeah. Development. The fourth evil ex was actually his girlfriend at one point in Arrested Development. Okay. Do you like seeing all the young ass actors? You had young Anna Kendrick, you had young Aubrey Plaza, you had uh, young Brie Larson, which she's so much better in this movie than in Miss in Captain Marvel. Um. Well, that's great and all, but I don't know who these people are. So Brie Larson was Envy, Scott's ex girlfriend. Anna Kendrick okay. was his sister, and then uh, Aubrey Plaza was Julie, the one that kept doing the weird thing with her mouth every time she cursed. So <laughs> the movie is a guilty pleasure. I love it. it. A lot of it is in the beginning. Even I was like, man, this is, they're trying to be verbatim. very guilty. Do what? Yeah. Very guilty. They're trying to be verbatim to the graphic novels, uh, to the point where the dialogue doesn't sound natural really. Uh, but that's because mm-hmm. it was wrote for a graphic novel. Uh, but no, that's fine. I'll read the graphic novel. Maybe I won't hate it, but I already have like biases towards it already. Mm. And it's your fault. It's your fault. Yeah, that's fine. Like if I do I do have a question. I don't give a shit about spoilers. How does the original graphic novel end? Oh, if you've ever seen the ending of the game, like there's a part where Gideon sucks Scott into his like the subdivision of his body, and he has to fight this huge Sephiroth Final Fantasy level boss of Gideon. That is a mixture of Gideon and all the seven X's combined into like an Akira level boss. Yeah, it's totally different. <laughs> That's not what I, I was thought you were going to say, like, oh, Ramona and Scott don't get together. Or he ends that was up one with of the 17. Uh, they had a couple endings to where, though, they were going to have knives and Scott get together. There was another one where it was going to be a weird horror ending where Scott is actually like 
delusional and he's actually killing people and throwing coins on their bodies at the end of the fight and all that shit. So that's what <laughs> Tiff said. Yeah. She was just like, this man is delusional. Yeah. Like he is not living in reality. And that's what the books do. A books like the subspace shit that they showed with Ramona, how she's able to go like in people's like that takes huge depth in the craft in the graphic novels. So okay, that explains that. That's the shit where people are like, "What the fuck is this movie?" And you're like, people that in the movie theater that knew about the graphic novels were like, "Oh, we get it," and everyone else is like, "Okay, we're good." <laughs> so yeah, I just love it. Colorful character. Uh, I like the uh, the kaiju music battle, even though the graphics probably aren't the greatest. But you know, between Sex Babam, I didn't think it was bad. The Katanagi, Katanagi I, I didn't think twins, that was bad. yeah. So I wasn't mad at that. But that's that's it's a, it's a ten year old movie. Yeah. Uh, I wish because I have some. I have Scott Pilgrim figures. I have the books and all that stuff. So yeah, I like Scott Pilgrim. Okay, right on. Yeah. So how was your week? <laughs> My week comprised of like three things. Uh, one. I'm re-editing certain things about the video. Um, you'll see it when you see it because work is getting crazy because I'm going into my busy season. So I was oh, yeah, I was trying to avoid again. this COVID kind of just like fuck things up. Um, I would like to have it out before September. We'll see what happens. Um, as far as games that I've been playing, uh, Tiff has been tying me to a ball and chain to play Paper Mario Origami King. The more that I play that game, the more that I want to play other Paper Mario games. You should check out our Discord um, for some of the discussions that have been being talked about. If you don't care about spoilers. Yeah, yeah you just everything is nice and covered for you. Mm-hmm. But there, there are some interesting developments that I've seen that they haven't done in any other Paper Mario. I'm not saying that it's good or bad. Obviously, based on our reactions, it meant something to us because, you know... The character development for most of the cast is very good. Um, regardless of how cheesy the script is, it's actually, you know, well-written. And they know its target audience is for, like, preteens, young kids, and shit like that. So That fighting style. <laughs> that's the biggest thing. Like, I, I, would in, I would legitimately be enjoying this game if it wasn't for the combat system. If it had thousand-year door it combat. such... Uh, fuck thousand year door go back to color splash go back to super paper mario like the problem is is that what you're making me do is solve a rubik's cube (laughs) in a minute or less even less time than your brain don't work like that (laughs) sometimes you only get 30 seconds you put 12 16 enemies on a stage and you're telling me to make either a square or a line, four individual square or lines with the enemies so that I can deal maximum damage. Otherwise, I'm not going to clear the board and I'm going to get fucked up. Like, you're, I think it's, it hampers the game greatly. Um, I don't like durability in a lot of video games. Like Breath of the Wild, it makes sense. In this game, it's, it's kind of annoying. Because in Breath of the Wild, I always felt like I was picking up weapons all the time. That's how in this Paladin game, is. In this game, like, I'll pick up an, uh, a free item in the overworld here and there. 
but if I'm out of weapons or if I'm low on weapons, I have to drop what I'm doing, mm. leave the dungeon, go back to town and stock up on these items. Yeah, I think you talked not about that money that is week. not as not that money is an issue, but it's it's a chore. And I don't want to feel like I'm doing chores in, in a video game. That's what happens with MMOs with me, where after a while I'm like, I'm doing chores now. This is no longer yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, and that's – I'm teetering between those two things because there's a lot to love about the Origami King. But the core battle mechanic is such a hamper on the entire experience mm-hmm. – that I can only play it in short bursts. Gotcha. So I'll be playing it soon too. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, definitely take your time with that one when you do finally play it because there it's it's a lot. It's unfortunately a lot. Uh, and speaking of a lot, Ghost of Tsushima. I've also been playing <laughs> the shit out of that. I just finished Act One. And I've been putting in as much time in Ghost of Tsushima as I was in Paper Mario. And I have I, I have a legitimate complaint about Ghost of Tsushima. And some people can view it as a good thing, but I'm going to tell you the reason why I don't necessarily think so. There is too much content for its own good. <laughs> there are too many things to do in that game for its own good. You put too much shit for me to do. (laughs) Well, I'm just fucking hear me out. I am not even on the second Island and I've almost maxed out my skill trees. I'm supposed to play this game for another 40 hours. If the first, if the first Island is replicated, like same amount of things, same amount of provinces and towns to liberate, uh, same story elements. I have to continue the quest line of your four or five main characters, your revenge plot against your best friend. Like if I'm supposed to be doing all these different things, either the game's going to go super fast and I'm just going to be stuck playing this game for another 20 hours without any progression. Because when you play these kinds of games, progression is a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you always want to feel like that you have a goal. And I'm reaching my goal in the first third of the game. Now, is this your fault? I, now, is this your fault because you went completionist mode on the first level, on the first world? Honestly, yes, I do, I do think so. But how do you circumvent that? Do you expand the skill tree? Do you lock make side quests harder or something like? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could lock side quests. You can have certain quests unlock as you progress through the story, or because the way the way that it feels is that everything is open to you. What I honestly think the problem is, is that they oversaturated the map with things to do, and they made the the skill cap or the level cap for certain abilities too low. So, for example, the Inari charms or the Inari shrines, you'll come across a fox den. Mm. And when you find a fox den, you have to follow the fox to go to its shrine. When you do a certain number of those shrines... You unlock a charm slot, and you can equip up to six of them. There's two main charm slots, and then four minor charm slots that you can equip. I've already done it. (laughs) I've already done it. And in order to unlock the first charm slot, I think it required three. The next one was four. The next one was five. The next one was six. 
think about that. I went through what is that? Seventeen, roughly yeah. eighteen, eighteen dens in the first part of the island. I've completely maxed it out. Now, what they do to you know incentivize you to keep on doing it is that they throw new charms at you, but a lot of the charms that they're giving you feel like copies of other charms that I've already collected. I feel like they so, might ramp the difficulty up. Like maybe they were thinking that would happen and maybe the difficulty is just going to like skyrocket. But then let's, let's talk about the difficulty. I have gone straight up ninja for the most part when I'm going through different towns and shit like that. Someone say that's all I the do easier mode. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean like you sneaking around the way that you like unlock your ghost abilities you have a bomb that you just toss and it just blows up and kills people. Your smoke bomb, my favorite ability because you literally like walk amongst all the enemies, you drop a bomb and then you can start chain assassinating people all around you. You have wind chimes to divert the attention to other places or firecrackers. Uh, they have the the fucking assassination through the door, like the really cool <laughs> yeah. shinobi style. Yeah. Oh, that shit is so fucking dope. But I feel like all these abilities are being thrown at you so quickly that I'm going to be the Mega Man at the end of the first act. And then going into the second act, it's just going to be, what are you going to do to stop me? Yeah. Because even combat, you're I op. I've completely maxed out my samurai trees. I'm a master of deflection. I'm a master of evasion. Literally, anybody that strikes at me, anyone that goes to swing at me, with the exception of like a shield bash, I immediately like parry, one hit KO. I have something called the heavenly strike, where I just immediately run through a motherfucker, and they're either stunned, which is the next thing close to death, or they just die. Sounds like you might have ruined the game for yourself, so... I mean, yeah, sure, but how was I supposed to know? You know what I mean? Maybe this is a game that uh, does not reward you for being a completionist. <laughs> I guess. That's that's where I'm at. So I'm expecting a very smooth sailing to get, finishing get some good pictures. the end of this game. Yeah, pretty much. Go write a fucking haiku or something. <laughs> but no, that's that's the end of my week. You said there not, was three major things. Much. What was the third one? That was the video. Oh, that's right. I was expecting a video I'm game. busy. Yeah. For those of you who may be new, uh, this is the segment where we get into news. So, first article. And we only got two this time. Usually we do between two and four. Uh, first article. The United States Army faces pushback on Twitch and Discord. The Department of Defense's ability to recruit and retain able-bodied citizens to join the ranks of its armed forces are currently being put under the test. We live in a world where the influences of the United States wanes by the day and where its own citizens, the majority being millennials and Zoomers, are not afraid to hold its country accountable for its behavior at home and overseas. And thus, the DoD is thinking of new ways to cozy up to young adults. In an aggressive marketing campaign, the United States Army, Navy, and Air Force has expanded their esports program and streaming presence. After missing its recruiting goal for the first time in 2018, the U.S. Army has turned to esports to entice the youth of America by building a 30-man esports team comprised of Call of Duty, Fortnite, and League of Legends players. 
The U.S. Navy and Air Force soon followed suit, and today their combined Twitch followers tally up to about 16,000 strong, with recruiters streaming popular titles such as Apex Legends, Valorant, World of Warcraft, Tekken 7, and Magic the Gathering Arena. But what the combined services was not prepared for was the pushback from both Twitch and their player base in allowing them to occupy the same space. Last week, Twitch forced the U.S. Army to take down links that offered viewers a chance to win a high-speed low-drag Xbox Elite Series 2 controller. The links would subsequently lead viewers to a recruitment page where they would be required to enter their personal information. The links offered no additional mention of the contest, odds, number of winners, and when the drawing would take place. Streamers were indeed furious with the information, calling on Twitch to take action for the obviously disingenuous tactics the U.S. Army was employing to entrap young men and women. To quote a Twitch spokesperson, Per our terms of service, promotions on Twitch must comply with all applicable laws. This promotion did not comply with our terms, and we have required them to remove it. This isn't the only stream-related controversy the U.S. Army has found itself in. Last week... Jordan Uhl was banned from posting on the U.S. Army Twitch chat after asking Sergeant Joshua Strotium David what his favorite war crime was, and then linked a Wikipedia article on the list of U.S. war crimes. While he admits that his methods were undiplomatic at best, he believes that if the armed forces are going to use the most popular platforms to recruit the youths of America, they shouldn't be able to do so without pushback. After the banning, the American Civil Liberties Union, or the ACLU, stated that it's a violation of the First Amendment free speech protections as the U.S. government cannot pick and choose what comments it allows on public forums and that there is a recent history of case law that can back up that claim. In a matter of when President Donald Trump tried blocking people from his Twitter account, the Knight First Amendment Institute of Columbia University successfully sued the president, stating that if the government agency or branch of the military operates a social media platform or website, then deleting comments or blocking people from commenting based on their viewpoints, such as asking about military crimes, would violate the First Amendment. Many progressive and social activists are calling for Twitch to curb the reach of the United States Armed Forces that it has in its efforts of recruitment. Hassan Piker, a pundit for the Young Turks and fellow Twitch streamer, recoiled at the idea that recruiters are building relationships with young, impressionable viewers. To quote, Twitch is like anything I've ever experienced in my career, and it's because you're live for hours on end talking to these people in the chat. You develop a community and you know your individual chatters. There is an ecosystem in every Twitch channel. Recruiting in this way is a predatory violation of the user's safety. Rod Slasher Bracelaud also stated, you can say what you want about people who serve in the military and what that says about them. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be able to play video games or esports, but I do think it's more insidious to have the military using it as a recruiting tool for young, impressionable people. The U.S. Army has defended the ban, saying that comments fell in line with harassment, which is forbidden by the Twitch TOS, as per Lisa M. Ferguson, an Army spokesperson. To quote, many of the accounts used were newly created, pointing to an effort to throw the channel into turmoil and not discuss relevant topics. The Army eSports team does not regulate viewpoints of participants based on social media forums, and the Army may reasonably regulate the time, place, and manner of discussions on its recruiting social media sites. Army eSports social media sites are a non-political forum and sharing information about joining the Army. For the time being, the U.S. Army, Navy, and Air Force has since stopped streaming while it reviews internal policies and procedures as well as platform-specific policies. It should be noted that the United States Marine Corps is the exception to the rule, as they refuse to buy into the streaming craze from the get-go. 
Marine Corps officials dismissed the idea of creating an esports team due in part to the belief that the brand and issues associated with combat are way too serious to be gamified in a responsible manner. U.S. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez plans to file a measure that would prevent the military from using video games and esports as a military recruitment tool. A draft amendment filed on July 22nd to the House Appropriations Bill would prevent the military from using funds appropriated by the bill to maintain a presence on streams and Twitch.com or any other video game, esports, or live streaming platform. To quote, it's incredibly irresponsible for the Army and the Navy to be recruiting impressionable young people and children via live streaming platforms, AOC tells Motherboard. War is not a game, and the Marine Corps' decision not to engage in this recruiting tool should be a clear signal to the other branches of the military to cease this practice entirely. It should also be noted that the U.S. Army is considered a branding partner and sponsor in Twitch's Twitch rival stream. The deal is believed to be worth over $1 million. Now, before we get into... We'll let you talk, breathe for a minute, because you just read it a lot. Thank you. So, uh, from everything that I learned, most of the things I've learned about the Marine Corps and a lot of the Army stuff comes from you. Uh, from what I can assume, the Marine Corps seems pretty down-to-earth and also has to use... The, okay, so, I'll go into that a little bit more. But they seem to have to make do with basically shit and twigs. Oh yeah, that's that's a hundred percent true. So that's kind of like what I mean by down. Like there, you know, like you're not fluffing up shit. So, but I think it's a pretty big deal that the Marine Corps is like, nah, don't do this shit. Like, <laughs> well, a few things about that. First off, the Marine Corps has always had this mentality that uh, if you want a career, you join the Army, the Navy, the Air Force. If you want to be a fucking Marine, you join the Marine Corps. All right. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They don't give a shit what your life is like after leaving. You can ask me and every other motherfucker I went through boot camp with, every other motherfucker that I served with, every deployment that I supported, uh, everything. They don't give a shit. Uh, whereas the army, a lot of the people that the army tries to recruit, the incentives that they give you is like signing bonuses. And, you know, oh, we have doctors and we have lawyers and, and God scientists <laughs> and yeah, sure. Whatever. Like they, they try to show you, it's like, Hey, this is, these skills are really good in the, the civilian world. You know, you just give us four years of your time. Maybe you'll stick around longer than that. You know, you can get a Mustang. They're the you cool, they're the cool dad. Like <laughs> yeah, they just throw money. They just throw money everywhere. And like all the branches really push this civilian uh transition. The the Marines are the with everything alcoholic more. working 12 hours a day, dad. <laughs> yeah, no, Marines don't give a shit. It's like when I went in to go see my recruiter, he was just like, "Okay, so why do you want to be a Marine? What movie did you watch? You know? <laughs> Seriously, what movie did you watch? What video games did you play? Wow. Like, like, they don't give a shit. It was just like, look, we offer... These are things that you're going to learn. You're going to learn teamwork. You're going to learn leadership. You're going to learn fucking discipline. They go through all those other things. There was nothing in my interview and a lot of the other interviews with the guys that I served with about... Oh, you can be an accountant. <laughs> Supply chain <laughs> bullshit? 
bro, logistics. We're gonna teach you logistics. It's gonna. It's like, nah, bro, bro. This accounting system that I'm about to teach you is only archaic. the Marine Corps use it. I I work on MS DOS. Think about that. I work on MS DOS every single day. Do you use, do you use abacuses? <laughs> Bro, I have a digital abacus on my on my fucking computer. It's not even a regular calculator. <laughs> they don't trust you with it. <laughs> it's not that they don't trust me with it. They don't know any better because they're too dumb to work the fucking They don't thing. know they exist. <laughs> Bro, That's, no. That it's, fucking got me. <laughs> it's it's a it's a mentality, dude. It is a mentality. If you want to talk about like the real brainwashers, of the four branches it's the marine corps because they'll take you transform you and make you into this jaded old man that doesn't give a shit about what anyone else is doing and it's true a lot of the things that it's true you are that talk about <laughs> well yeah i am that um but going into what you're saying how you know marines usually take bullshit or have like sticks and stones or expected to do great things with it we don't have a budget like our command has the majority of the budget. And we we work with billions, but single digit billions. <laughs> you know, that's what the entire Marine Corps gets. Yeah. Meanwhile, the combined total between the Army, Navy, and Air Force, I think is like six hundred and fifty billion plus. It's huge. But it's just like all everything that the Marine Corps has is is based off of hand me downs. Yeah. So You're like the little brother the, to the older brothers. <laughs> Except I'm one of the oldest ones. Yeah. <laughs> the Air Force is 50 years old. We've been around for fucking, I don't even know what year. Dude, is it? some of those comics that you've sent me of like how the Marine Corps were built, where it's just a bunch of fucking alcoholics. <laughs> those are pretty fucking funny. What if we're, what if we got a bunch of drunk guys to go travel around on this boat and we get the Navy to take us there? That's the Marine Corps. Yeah. Oh, man. But no, going back to like the significance of what this article is talking about, um, I don't just dis- I don't agree with it. I don't do think I. like not that I'm going to say I don't agree or disagree with the army using Twitch. It's a social platform. Um, they are more than within their rights to do so. Uh, they have no business banning people. Yes. Uh, and that's just something that they're going to have to fucking deal with. Don't uh, uh, shitty false contests. Uh, yeah, no, that that's a bunch of fucking bullshit. That's, but you know what? It's it doesn't surprise me that they're doing that because mm-hmm. they're just trying to bunt. They're 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 just trying to like pump their numbers up. Mm-hmm. I mean, in it's a time not... right now, especially with how COVID is and everything, traditional recruitment methods are not so much, not going to work right now. Bro, you you hear about the way that they're fucking I don't know about any other branches, but in the Marine Corps, when kids come into boot camp, they spend two weeks uh in this parking lot and they've got this six foot box that they have to stand in in order to quarantine. Oh, and now? that's where they spend the, the majority of their day for the first two weeks. Just doing shit in that box. <laughs> just just doing quarantine. That's it. Because they have to quarantine, and they all get hazed within that that little box. So oh, that's it's terrible. Oh, it sucks. The Marines sucks, sounds especially... like an even worse frat. <laughs> like if that makes you makes it if that makes sense. Like, oh yeah, no, Marine Corps sucks, dude. 
Marie Curie. Like I love it. It it it's made a, it's me an acquired taste, like today. black coffee. It is <laughs> it is an acquired taste, and you know, it, people like me can survive through that bullshit. Uh, Some, but it's not for everybody. Nah. It's not. It's not. The Marine Corps doesn't give a shit, which I'm glad the Marine Corps doesn't give a shit about this because I think that it is incredibly predatory for people to yes. be using platforms like Twitch uh, because how young can somebody be on Twitch? 13, yeah. right? So you're supposed to be 13. Supposed to be 13, yeah. but we know that we got younger people on there too. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, in order for you to even talk to a recruiter, you need to be like 16 years old. Mm -hmm. That means for the next three years, if you're building a relationship with these people, like you're you're dropping the seeds into their mind. You're you're already getting that that relationship going, and you're getting it into this individual's head, which is like, I want to be in the army. I want to be in the army. I want to be in the army. And it makes it very easy for that future army recruiter, not just the recruiters that that are behind the mic playing the video game, but the actual recruiter signing the paper with that young kid to fuck him over yeah because he's just gonna it's super easy because you're conditioning the kid to be like oh everyone in the army is like sergeant david it's the same shit online. with college it's the same shit with college because you are conditioned and i'm not saying the severity of those levels is totally different but you're conditioned and i remember like go to school get good grades go to a good college go to school get good grades go to a college so when it is legal for a bank, a loan representative or someone to get and talk to a 17-year-old quote-unquote adult and have them sign their lives into anywhere from 50000 to half a million dollars in debt. You are a 17-year-old child, but you cannot even drink a beer. <laughs> that is ridiculous. That's what, and this is sidetracking a little bit, that's what I always have, it's never made sense to me that in America you can... You can sign up, serve, and die for your country when you're 18 years old, but you cannot drink a natty, natty light until you hit 21. It's not the way that it used to be. There's reasons for why that happened. Okay. Uh, you used to be able to drink on, uh, under the age of 21. It was 18 and up, but that's a conversation for another day. Okay. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, this is... Uh, I'm glad that Twitch and... It's also, too, like, a lot of people, and I think the older politicians and older generation are starting to see that the younger generation not so much us like we're in that weird gray area kind of where we have our beliefs but our time and i would not say that our time to be out in the field like everybody else is doing right now with protests and all that stuff is over because you can go out and fucking do it whenever you want to but it's like what dave Chappelle said and i believe didn't you watch his new one his eight minute 46 second stand up yes where he said that this is no longer his fight like he he's still here. He's still doing mm -hmm. what he can do, but this is their fight. This is the younger generation's time. So, and I think that's what a lot of politicians are like thinking that these people are the, especially the millennials and the zoomers, we're just going to sit and take it and we're not. Like that's just not what we're going to do. So, but yeah, this is I'm glad that Twitch is cracking down. I'm glad that even the communities are like calling them out on bullshit and all that stuff, but that's just can you imagine? I mean, you have a you have a young son. You know how moldable his brain is right now? Yeah. And, like, that shit doesn't stop happening. So, like, for an army recruiter to get to someone so young and start manipulating, I would say manipulating them. Here's, here's what I'm going to say about this. Um, one, 
anybody who watches U.S. Army, Navy, Air Force, you got to realize that they are professionals first and foremost on recruitment. Their entire job, their entire existence is for recruitment. Let me give you a little bit of history on the way the esports started. The esports started with the U.S. Army and the U.S. Marine Corps. Uh, there was talks of an esports team with a lot of people playing both shooters and fighting games. The Marine Corps said, y'all can do this for single Marine program. That can be your thing. Nothing is going to get sanctioned under the United States Marine Corps. But the Army got away with it. And it started off something with their uh, single mer their single soldier program or whatever the equivalent is back in like 2013, 2014. They were already talking about how esports is the future mm -hmm. and how esports was going to be the future of recruitment. So the Army was already looking at this Jesus. to be part of their recruitment side. Seven years and ago. so seven years ago, even going on to like as late as 2015 – they were in the works of having like 3,000 soldiers compete on being a pro gamer. And it was not about how good you are at the game. It was your personality. Your how, how well can you sell in front of the camera? I think that's one of the reasons why you and I don't. I mean, I, I do fine on Twitch, but I don't mm -hmm. want to put on that persona. I don't have a persona when I play. I don't have a Dr. Disrespect and I don't have a, a ninja or any of that stuff. Like, that's not who I am. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of streamers that are completely opposite with that. They're like, when you're on, you're an actor. Like, you I'm like, no, dude, yeah. I want to play. I just want to play this game and talk shit with people. That's exactly what I want to do. So anyway, that's that's where we're at. Um, I do expect the army to be back. Yeah, um, they're not going to stop. In, in what sort of capacity, I don't know, because I don't think that that bill that AOC is pushing is going to go through. Okay. Um, the U.S. The, the armed forces and their lobbyists are going to do everything in their power to keep that there because it's very lucrative not only for the army but for Twitch to keep them there as a partner. Yeah. Because, you know, it's just a million dollars right now. That's, that's going to be a recruiting deal to go on for ages going beyond that. And it's very important that the army starts getting their recruitment numbers up. It just is what it is because there's a lot of dissent in the United States, <laughs> especially and now, just, just because, just because they hate you doesn't mean that those, those quota numbers go away. Yeah, it is what it is. So, all right. Anyway, uh, let's, next, let's article, this next one, uh, G4 TV's back apparently. So, We'll get into it. We'll get into it. So, oh my God, no, I don't want to. Oh God, the sound came through. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, long defunct cable television network G4 is returning sometime in 2021, according to a teaser posted on Friday afternoon via Variety. The one-minute video doesn't provide many details of what we can expect from the network moving forward. The CG teaser pans across an abandoned warehouse littered with old camera equipment and gaming artifacts. At one point, two NES controllers appear in the frame. Eventually, the ca camera makes its way to an old CRT television that's displaying a game of Pong. The TV screen then glitches out before lengthy animation ends with the G4 logo. The teaser ends with the year 2021 and the tagline, We Never Stopped Playing. G4 went on the air in 2002 and featured a variety of tech and gaming-related programming. Besides shows like X-Play and Attack of the Show, G4 is probably best known for helping launch the career of Olivia Munn. Comcast sub subsidiary NBC Universal Cable shuttered the network in 2014. 
One possibility is that G4 could feature in the game in the company's plans for Peacock. On July uh, on July 15th, the streaming service became available to anyone who wants to subscribe to it. Industry analysts are skeptical at best. Rod Slasher Breslow says things have changed a lot since G4 TV was last on the air. Gaming is bigger than ever, but streaming and YouTube is the place to be. This will either be a huge success or a to total failure. No in between. I am going to say it will probably be the latter. This is going to be a nostalgia thing for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm excited for this. I'm I am more than ecstatic to see what happens. Um, this this is my my teenage years, man. Yeah, I love I love G four. I have a lot of nostalgia for, for G four, but there's a lot of problems that G four had in its rise to and its rise and downfall, really more or less. Yeah, G four started off as tech TV, and on tech TV they it was it was technology focused. Uh, and then they had a little segment called X Play where they focused on video games. And then all of that really changed when they did the rebranding. And I yeah. don't remember who they actually merged with. I don't know if G4 had its own thing ahead of time and they just took over Tech TV and kept some of its assets. I don't remember. Um, G4 is the but... reason I have the I had the crush on Morgan Webb for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but G4 for its first two years was like gamer perfection. Um, it was you had X Play, you had Attack of the Show. Yeah. Uh, the early, the early, I think they had a show called Arena where they would just get like a bunch of these guys, whether they're on MLG teams mm -hmm. or minor league teams, and they would just have them play a bunch of random games. You start off with like an easy console game like Burnout, and then you go to the more hardcore shit like Call of Duty or... YouTube-level um, things that happen nowadays. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it was the precursor to all the content that you saw on YouTube nowadays. Will it work today? I think Attack of the Show can work. Attack of the Show could work. Attack of the Show by itself can work. It reminds uh, me of like a live will, podcast. Will a lot of X Play work? X Play would have to compete with every other analytical YouTuber. Just off the top of my head, you got Young Yeah, you've got Inside Gaming, you've got Rich, you've got and even the well, those, bigger ones. Those are news guys. Those are news guys. I'm talking about like you're gonna have to complete compete with the completionist. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to compete. That's the hardest with... fucking working man. You ain't gonna be able to compete with that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I mean like everything that G4 did or is trying to do, there's a YouTuber for that. Yeah, G4 you know? was on satellite, and TV. they have, they, and they already have an established fan base. Yeah, so you're trying to come into this new and be like, hey, come over are, here. You're poking like poking the hornet's nest. What are you going to try to do? I think it's what a little. What are you going to try to do that's different? You got Yeah, you got to have something that's completely your own. You got to basically be what G4 used to be back in the day. Like that was the channel to go to. Like, what are you going to have that all these other people don't have? I think it's going to fail. Yes, unfortunately, we're gonna get it a little uh, bit. You would have to get you would have to get Morgan Webb, Adam Sessler, who the latter already stated that he's not interested in making a return to video game journalism mm -hmm. as a full time thing. Uh, you would have to get you probably want to get Olivia Mund 
which I don't think she. I know that she retweeted it, but I don't know if she has anything. You know, like, I'm actually in it. on the opposite. If you want G4 really? to be successful, you don't need to bring back the nostalgia news reporters, or the. You need to bring in the talent that is around now. You need to bring in like the big. You need to bring in Gerard. Let's see if you can work out something with him. You need like right now. Austin Creed has a campaign right now. That he wants to be the, you know, the next G4 host. Like, Austin Creed would be an amazing candidate for that. Yeah. So that's how you're going to make G4 be successful, is taking what you have now. But I feel like they're going to try and bring back all the nostalgia. You can even do a merger of the nostalgia with the new, which is what I think you need. they need to do. I think that's stronger. I think that that's that would gonna be a make stronger them thing to do. You need to bring... Because you want to... Yeah, go ahead. You want to bring in the people that used to watch your your shows, but you also want to get the the Zoomers. Yeah, essentially, you got to bring in the new, the young, the new the, ones, the young millennials. Yes, yeah. and uh, I mean Austin Creed has even worked with Gerard the complete. I could see Gerard on any of these shows, like when it comes to this stuff, because yeah. that man, Jesus Christ, like we talk about. You say you've played a lot of video games. No, not compared to him. <laughs> like. Those are idea, like ideal candidates. Some people yeah. will call them shills, but I, in this situation, I don't think so. Will I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. Um, I would like to see that uh, succeed, mm -hmm. but to be honest, a lot of the reason why I enjoyed G4 was the personalities. Mm -hmm. um, that's going to be a major factor because G4... Not not to shit at the, shit on them, but like seeing a new G four is, I don't want it to be like the new Inside Gaming, because you know the people that I grew up with or mm -hmm. got comfortable with was uh, Bruce Green, was Lawrence uh, Sontag. Um, it's a different taste know? now. Like it's not for us. Yeah, maybe it's not. I still watch some Inside Gaming stuff, but it's different. And uh, yep. sometimes you don't always adjust adjust to the change all that well. So, yeah, not to say that you know they do. No, they do work. Bad they, work. I, yeah. I think they do fantastic journalism. It's just not not my cup of tea. Yeah. So, but, but no. we'll we'll see. We'll see. I hope Austin like I hashtag Creed for G four. Is a pretty good hashtag. I like that. That video is really funny. You guys should go watch it. Uh, it's on Austin Creed's uh, Twitter because his baby is yelling in the background the entire time. And he's just like, he knows how to play. He's like, my son wants me to be out there making money for him. <laughs> so that's a crazy man. Uh, he's a wrestler, a big video. I mean, he's host of Up, Up, Down, Down. Like, charismatic as shit. So he's got a nice collection, too. That's a lot of Wii games, though. He's got that. He's got that Sega sign back there, too. Uh, Wii games, I want to say... Yeah, that is maybe... You know... Either Wii games or those are... I, they might be some Sega Saturn. I don't think this is his collection. No? He's been filming a lot with Gerard. Oh, really? He's been doing a lot of collabs with Gerard recently, and I'm wondering if this... If that's... It could be Gerard's you know setup. That does look a little bit familiar. I'm trying to because see, like, does... some set because Gerard changes, depending on the game he's talking about, he switches the shelves out with, like, memorabilia mm -hmm. and games about that stuff. I would think, now, I'm not saying, Austin Creed, like, with the money that he's got, he could have a huge fucking collection, but I'm going to bank that that might be Gerard's. Okay. 
And yeah, T- okay. TJ says Saturn games is what it looks like. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, let's hit some questions. Let's do the questions. All right. I'm going to pull one from Discord because this guy came in super early. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dark Sage 9117 says. Oh, you mean Twitch in the chat. RPG. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> Uh, in the RPG genre today, I know that The Witcher 3 is regarded as the gold standard in terms of storytelling, world building, and characters, uh, and characters and side quests. But I remember a time when Mass Effect 2 was the golden standard in terms of how to build an RPG. Uh, my question is, which game had a bigger impact on the genre as a whole? And which game do you see as being the bigger gold standard? In my opinion, Mass Effect 2 was the culmination of everything that the RPG industry was up to that point. And it took it and expanded on it. And it took it risks that paid off. It was a, the game of the genre. Do not get me wrong. I love The Witcher 3 and I would recommend it to anyone. But I'm just having a hard time saying it's the game of the genre. The game that defines the RPG genre. This is a question for you because I didn't. I have still not played any Mass Effect or any Witcher game. Oh my god. Dude. You know uh, me, dude. You know me. Okay. Those aren't my okay. kind of de facto go-to games. Uh, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, I like Scott Pilgrim, so what can I say? <laughs> I don't know what to do with you. Uh, okay. So, here's the thing. Mass Effect 2 came out in 2010? Mm-hmm. I want to say it came out in 2010. And The Witcher 3 came out in, I was living in North Carolina at the time. I want to say anywhere between 2014 and 2016. I want to say 2015, maybe. Let's actually double check that. Sure. Uh, 2015, I was right. That's a five-year gap on two different platforms. So, yes, Mass Effect 2 was considered to be the pinnacle of Western RPGs in 2010 it's a phenomenal game i have my reservations about it but i have to give credit where credit's due ea and bioware did a fantastic job on mass effect 2 uh in the same right five years later cd project red knocked it out of the ballpark when they made the witcher 3 the difference between the two is time it's time now if you want to talk about overall impact it's it's hard to say because Mass Effect is not in the conversation right now or five years ago. It was The Witcher 3. And the reactions and hot takes and uh, accolades that came after those games are very, very, very similar. The gaming industry was not at the same point in 2010 as it was in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was more eyes on everybody in 2015 you know we weren't having we didn't have as many huge fucking end of year uh game of the year shows in 2010 that we do in 2015 jesus christ no you know it was it was smaller scale a lot of the focus was on like the spike tv game awards or the fucking uh publications now everybody has a fucking opinion because youtube and twitch gives you that platform Mm -hmm. um Plus, you know, any other major platform that, you know, talks about end of year games. Plus, we have GDC and a lot of eyes on GDC. You have a lot of eyes on the Game Awards. Um, You could just plug in a fucking, uh, you know, organization 
that is dedicated to the game industry and they have their own game of the year award bullshit <laughs> um honestly it just comes down to taste i think uh not just yeah, taste I but mean... just just relevance um i would say that they're on equal footing i would say the like go- do you like space shit or do you like medieval weird mystical shit i wouldn't even say that like mass effect 2 was the gold standard for 2010 and every game that followed it tried to be mass effect and what you should do is you should take all those positive things that you learned you know from the major title like mass effect 2 and just make it bigger and that eventually led to what we have in the witcher 3 yeah that's my answer like it's really hard to compare two games from not only two different generations, two different console platforms, but like we're in different times, man. We expected more as time went on because video games and RPGs evolved over and that our time. Opinions changed. And a lot of the thing and not only opinions changed, but like everything that we learned from 2010 can be applied to 2015 and even more so. The Witcher 3 wouldn't be the game that it is today or in 2015 if it wasn't for the innovation mm-hmm. that Mass Effect 2 brought to the table. I think that that is an adequate answer for that, to be honest. Sure. I might play those games one day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question. Mr. Haru said, asks, what's a piece of gaming merch you wish existed? And would buy day one pre-order that has not been made yet? It's a weird question. Let's start off. Okay. It's a weird question. Uh, I was thinking about it, and I know, because I always de facto to the same shit, but Mm -hmm. I would like a suit, because I like, I don't know if I've ever actually said this, but I really like, like, high-detailed Gundam models. And I would like, and it might already exist, I just don't know where it's at. I would like a very detailed, large scale model of an R-Wing. Like, I would really like a lot of the detail to be, like, in there. So much to where, like, you open the cockpit and there's details with, like, the circuitry and all that stuff. Like, I want a high-quality detailed one. Like, imagine a good Star Fox game coming out with a model of the... Oh, I forget what the big ship's called. The Great Fox. The Great Fox with four smaller R wings, but they're still like super. De- that would be absolutely Great. perfect. Yeah, it would be. That'd and be the sick. only thing that I can even think that hits that caliber, and it's not a model, but during the days of first four figures, like early days, they had an R wing model come out, and that thing's fucking hard to find now. They have not re released it or anything like that. But I would love to. I mean, the cl- like the closest fucking thing I have is Starlink models. Like those, those are the mm-hmm. closest things I have to R wings. Knowing my luck, they would come out with the model from the uh, the dinosaur game where the ships look like the front of it is a penis, where it's not pointy. <laughs> it's a good game. I, I good said design. nothing wrong with the game. The ship models look like penises. That's just what they look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to think of other stuff. I'm like, oh, I would like that. And I'm like, oh, wait, I already have that. But or that are, I don't even already have that, but that already exists. It's really hard to yeah. think of something. It's like think it's like if we could if we could tweak the question a little bit some gaming merch or a gaming peripheral that you would like i actually don't own a power glove 
I would like to own one just to have it. From what I've seen, they're not actually that expensive, like, in box. I think they're, like, around 150 or something like that. So That's not bad. So, yeah, but I don't know. I like weird... I mean, I've said it before. I like weird, goofy peripherals. Um, hmm. I mean, merch could be anything from, like, a t-shirt or, like... I don't know. So I think it would be really cool if, and I don't know if they did this. This is just me like having my own personal fantasy. Um, I really like the bomber jacket that Leon Kennedy has in Resident Evil Four. Oh yeah, that exists. And oh, it exists. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, that actually pre-order bonus though. It exists. That's all I know is that it exists. I think okay, you it's possible. I would think for you, I was thinking of one like a full scale. You know how like detailed lightsabers are, like in like Disney and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Monado, like a high detailed quality that Monado would be dope. with different lighting capabilities to where it would change and all yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's mostly dope. that's more for you than it is for me. So that'd be sick. Like the definitive edition, and you have like this fucking five hundred dollar package. It's to scale too. With a min- <laughs> yeah, just like no shit. It comes in this giant fucking six foot box. Yeah. no, that'd be dope. You see, have you seen? I don't know the guy on YouTube, but there's a guy that like he's a blacksmith and he builds in like video game weapons, like out of real metal. Like he built. There's a few of them out. He there. built a bus- Buster sword that he could barely lift above his head to chop something. Mm-hmm. So that shit's always cool. I like that stuff. I would buy, you know what? And I've seen that they do exist, but the only reason that they do exist is because they were like promotional materials or something like that. I would buy, if you could like custom, put in a custom order for a Monster Hunter weapon replica. It doesn't have to be actually made of metal or anything like that. Just a replica of it. You could be like, here's the list we got of the, you know, top tier, most voted on Monster Hunter weapons. Snap buys that shit like that. I know a lot of those do exist because of cosplayers, but they don't commercially exist. Right. So, but I the first one, and I know it's going to sound bad, but there is a weapon. It's a sword and shield called the Corona, and this was be, this was prior to the shit. But it was a triangle blade that was always pulsing with magma because it was made of Rathalos parts. Okay. But uh, that weapon will never be called that again. <laughs> <laughs> It will ne- when I first that's the first thing when I was like it's called the coronavirus that weapon's gone it's over for that weapon and it's so cool looking too so they should double down not only should it they keep the name corona but they should have it start doing poison damage oh god it's like gets 19 upgrades or <laughs> mm-hmm. that's stupid it's so fucking dumb 19 slots 19 uh, it's a slow killer yeah that's what it is 19 percent affinity that's subtle that would be it yeah yep oh god we're terrible people uh h2o asks if there is an expensive game that isn't ill bleed that's not really all that expensive or any version of the nwc carts that's a wide range <laughs> my dude <laughs> that would make well, the snap purchase yeah. to buy, what would it be and why? You just went from a hundred bucks to twenty grand. So I don't have an actual answer for this question because I did look at some of the questions beforehand. And my way that I collect is a little different. And I th- I've talked about it before. I'm the deal chaser. Mm-hmm. Because we live in a world where you could like, if you want a game, you could get it. Like even an NW fucking C card. You can get it. 
You just got to pony up the cash. Now, is there a game that if it was had a really good sale or like a good amount of money taken off that I would snap by? Uh, fuck, I don't, I probably like collect in box Mega Man Seven because that's like a hundred and fifty, like a hundred and fifty bucks loose. I don't know what it is in like uh actual co- uh, complete in box. So here's the things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the really expensive games out there are not very good. It's it's like Cubivore and fucking Gotcha Force and shit. It's because of the yeah, runs. Yeah, they're they're not good. It just comes down to print run. So when you when you talk about you know uh, what's a what's an expensive game or what's a rare game that to talk about, like not a lot of them are really good. <laughs> like nobody here's like to be honest nobody sits there and says oh man i need a copy of fucking uh cubivore i need a copy of rule of rose except you i need <laughs> i need a copy of panzer dragoon saga yeah i need snatcher. a copy of of snatcher uh i can keep on going yeah a lot of the good games are sub one hundred dollars now? Don't get me wrong. There's an exception, and that uh, is expensive to some people too. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. Like a hundred bucks is expensive to people. Um, and and I also want to say, in the flip side, there are expensive games that are very good. You can see it on the GameCube. Like seriously, my the value of my GameCube games almost doubled. Yeah, within the last two years, it's insane. Like, well, it's I'm also the- Path of Radiance go for $200. It's the craze now. It's that's the general that's the next in line. Like GameCube yeah, it's, is Yeah, it's wild. GameCube's always been like wild. it's not they haven't really lost their value like the main party games and stuff like that. No, but when I see Eternal Darkness go for $40 to 100 plus dollars mm-hmm. in 6 years, that's that's excessive, especially since we're bypassing the N64 years. Yeah. You know, because that generation, that's the generation that we're really seeing people going like, oh, man, I want my nostalgia chasing block bullshit. Let me go pick up my PlayStation mm-hmm. or my N64 uh, and play those games. We're now we're now seeing a lot more people go into the PlayStation 2, the Xbox, the GameCube uh, a lot sooner than what we expected and my GameCube games are getting super expensive right well, now. Well, we're also every year we don't get the insert your favorite remake here. The price of those games go up. Like you said with Eternal Darkness. There's been no remake yeah. of Eternal Dark. The minute a remake gets announced, I bet you it the game price won't tank, but it's gonna go down. It might dip. Yeah. It's the same it with might. the Mario 35th uh, anniversary collection or whatever the All-Star package whatever is going to come out. Like, I mean, Mario 64 is like, I looked up, you know what, I mean, of course I looked on GameStop, but, and some of those games are fucking not priced right, but some of them are, like, they're selling Mario Kart 64 for 75 bucks. Yeah, I have not looked it up on game value, I don't know what it is going for for uh, loose, but I think we're hit, like, it's because people are getting that nostalgia hit, and if you get a remake, that price is gonna drop. I'm actually looking at my collection I also, I right also don't now. think people know that a lot of these games, especially like first party games, got virtual console releases. 
Yeah. Like you can bust out a Wii U. I, I think maybe the Wii U has the same uh, virtual console that the Wii had. But, well, the Wii store is down now, so you can no longer get some of the stuff on a Wii. So that's what I loved about the Wii. The Wii is great for me. It was great to me because you could download all the fucking old games. Mario Kart right now is selling for no way. What is it at? Those those are auctions. Those are auctions. Oh, okay. Uh, a loose copy should be going for about 40 bucks. So $75 is a lot. Yeah. A lot, a lot. So I that just seems like a bad read. Uh, if anyone's um, listening and wants to buy a copy for $75, I have an extra copy. <laughs> uh, no, it expensive game out there. First off, there's not a lot of games left for me to buy. Uh, I haven't bought a retro game in a very long time. And really, my passion right now vinyl. is games that well not just vinyl but games that we haven't picked that we haven't gotten in the united states so i'm looking at rom hacks and you know going on etsy and seeing what people do like for example i have this copy of genealogy of the holy war uh fire emblem super nintendo we didn't get this in the united states yeah so shit like that is what i'm interested in as far as you know am i chasing games on the sega cd no, Popful Mail is too much money for the type of game that it is. And on top of that, if I really want it, I'll burn a copy on a disc. All right. So let's tweak the question a little bit. What game that would come out? It doesn't necessarily have to be out. What what game that you would want to come out that you would spend exorbitant amount of money on? And how much money would you be willing to pay for it? I mean, we're now getting into the topic of like. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the topic of like we're going into next gen and how much money would I be willing no. to pay no, no, for no, no, a next no, no, gen no, no. game? This is any franchise you could rebuild, like reopen it right now. Be like you, the game is being announced. The game that you have always wanted for this certain franchise, this completely dead franchise, or anything. It doesn't have to be next gen or anything. Is being announced tomorrow. How much money would you pay for it, and what? And like, yeah, would you snap by it? And how much money would it be, you pay for it? Well, it's either going to be F Zero or Star Fox, and my answer is always going to be the same, whatever the industry standard is. So, if I'm getting a full game that's expected to be, you know, twenty to sixty hours, I'm probably going to shell out the sixty dollars to pay for that game. Um, how else am I going? Like, you're not good with these questions. <laughs> I'm not. You're too. I don't. You're I don't dad. Think... <laughs> I'm just being real. Like, what if they were to turn around and say, "Hey, we have a new Star Fox game. It's going back to basics, and we've added like a few new aspects to it." You know, maybe they expect because I love fucking Star Fox Adventures, and if they added, if they combined Star Fox sixty four to Star Fox Adventures, I would to me that would be the perfect Star Fox game. But why would I spend two hundred dollars on that? I mean, the question still it. pops up to like, I mean, look at how much fucking you pay on stupid shit for Kickstarters. Kickstarters a little different, though, because there's a lot of extra benefits that you get. So if they were to turn around and kickstart that, uh, that's the question this. is what game franchise, what game would you want to come out? What would you what would you want everything to come out with it? Let me add that on to it. And then how much money okay. would you pay for it? If they were to make my dream Star Fox game. I'd probably put down like a good $300 for it easy. 
And with that 300, you get Easy. soundtrack. Let's say you get your R wing model. Let's say you get a bunch of all this shit. Yeah, I'd be right but there. But if with I'm you. if I'm paying three hundred dollars for that, I'm gonna expect like some aspect of me being in the game. You know. Now that's your Kickstarter part coming out. <laughs> yes, that's I mean it's it's part of the perks of the Kickstarter. Uh so. yeah, I would get I would pay a good amount of money for a legit Legend of Dragoon sequel. I think at this point we would need the remake before the sequel. It's been too long. I it's been way too long. I would pay normal price for a remake, but if I were to get like a perfect like it would be Legend of Dragoon 2. Star Fox X F Zero, uh, bring back the Mega Man X series, kind of like end like after four, like we can forget everything kind of after four X four, we can pick up from there or something like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff too. Like, I mean, Monster Hunter World Two is gonna happen. I know it is. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, next question. Again, H2O Happy Dude. If you could put together a crossover for the next latest and greatest game in the Versus series, what would it be? Mine would be Yakuza versus Rival Schools because it's the two that came to mind when I typed this up. That's a pretty good combination. This comes from that meme that I've been seeing of Sesame Street versus Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what this is from. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, uh, Yakuza Rival Schools is pretty fucking good. You got a pretty good, robust list or ro- roster with uh, Yakuza. It doesn't matter because everyone would Yakuza versus Rival Schools, I think, would not be that good of a combination. You could do Yakuza versus was, Tekken. I mean, you could. Yeah, sure. Um, I feel like when we talk about this, we should just solely stick to fighting game franchises rather than beat em ups. Because I feel like beat em up characters should be the the DLC. Like I could totally see uh, Kiryu uh, and Majima Kiryu being da- down in Tekken Seven, and I would totally start playing Tekken Seven <laughs> for the sake of playing Kiryu. Like you want to talk about a Kickstarter incentive, bro? I got you. I will pay for the development, bro. Um, but as far as uh, a versus franchise, I want to see another Capcom versus SNK. I think mm-hmm. that that needs to be the next step, and I honestly think that that's going to be something down the line. Uh, yeah, Capcom versus SNK three needs to happen uh, because they they're bringing back a lot of the old school SNK fighting games. You know, King of Fighters has always been a thing. Sam Samurai Show. Showdown, yeah. Um, you know, let's, let's see more with the growth of these fighting games and then have a culminative Capcom versus SNK three. Give me another PlayStation all-stars. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Nintendo versus Sega. There you go. They got enough characters to do it. Get the fuck out of here. I mean, I want a legit good Marvel vs. Capcom. I don't, Infinite was... It's sad that Monster Hunter got into a Marvel vs. Capcom game, but it, it was sad that it was Infinite. Because yeah, the way that, that Monster one. Hunter plays in Infinite is so fucking cool. You have your ranged attack is your bow. Like it's so fucking cool. You have your great sword, and then I think you have a sword and shield mode too. So that's what's up. So uh 
I think this is the last question. With Arcade 1UP putting Wi-Fi inside their cabs, starting with NBA Jam, which of the Mortal Kombat characters in some NBA uh, rosters is unavailable, by the way? Uh, which uh, would you think... Yeah, hold on. I may have read that wrong. With one Arcade 1UP putting Wi-Fi inside of their cabs, uh, starting with NBA Jam, which the Mortal Kombat characters in some of the NBA roster is unav- unavailable, by the way? Uh, would you think the Cavs would be up your alley when the Marvel versus Cavs comes out? Uh, among others, with uh, possible release, with possible Wi-Fi. Yeah, he's, he's saying like if if arcade one ups here on out have Wi-Fi capabilities or landline capabilities to where you could play online with other people. Mm, depends on what the servers and like that's really niche. Netcode, netcode, netcode. Roll back. Rollback netcode. That's code. the biggest thing. What's the netcode like? I'm, I would wait on that. Uh, one, I don't have really kind things to say about arcade one-up uh, cabinets. Yeah. Uh, I played the Street Fighter 2. It's been offered for me by family to get that for me, and I told them, no, I want nothing to do with if it. If you want one and you want to mod it, that's a different story. Like, if you want to replace the TV that is in it and replace the parts and stuff, and you just want the frame... To which I would say, spend the extra money for a nicer cab, and uh, just make your own. You don't have to rely on Arcade One Up for that for that bullshit. True. Or if you're like how it was a couple months ago, uh, get one for fifty dollars because that's where yeah. a lot of those were priced. I went around to many WalMarts looking for one. So I think yeah. it. Ha- so the this year coming up. When the new ones come out, uh, I think, what is it? The Marvel ones and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle ones might start dropping in price. So, But yeah, uh, I've saw, and I know not everybody can have a, can build their own. I've seen schematics on how to build them. It, they are possible. And, uh, but yeah, save up your money and buy a candy cab and then do whatever the fuck you want with it. <laughs> yes. So there you go. Arcade, like I said, though, arcade one-ups are great if you can get them for a very reasonable price. None of them that are MSRP, and they're good if you want them for, like, your son, his age. You don't care if it breaks because it's made of a You don't give a shit about it. Uh, you don't care if he hangs off the joystick like you've always seen kids do in arcades and all that shit. That's why he's not allowed on my MVS because he fucking tries to hang off the joystick, and I'm like, I'll... Mm, nope, don't do so that. So if you I can buy one for fifty bucks, get one for him and let him fuck it up. <laughs> you know, I I now thinking about it, I would get him an arcade one up Street Fighter two. It'd be great. Get him into fighting games. It'd be good like that. He could put it in his room. He can go ahead and play it. It is what it is. There you go. So that's it. That's it. What are you playing this week coming in? Coming up. I want to finish Paper Mario. I know that I'm going to be working on the Ghost of Tsushima for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to finish Paper Mario. I want to start getting into uh, Panzer Paladin. Yes! Uh, and you can beat con- the game probably in like six hours. And continue my Dreamcast uh, Yeah. Uh, we we got to work on that this week, too, in the Megavision server. We're going to have a meeting and get that shit taken care of. You should also check yes. out Carrion if you like the Metroidvania. I, I will. I think I'm going to wait on what you and Powell say about it first. I can already say it's very gory, and it's got good crunch sounds. <laughs> Satisfying? I mean, to regain your health, you eat people. So, okay. <laughs> there you go. That's fine. It's a little unsettling at first, and then afterwards you're like, alright, I got this. 
So I'll be playing Carrion. I want to finish Curse of the Moon 2 because I never finished it uh, once I stopped playing it. And maybe this week I'll get Paper Mario. We'll see. Uh, there's a lot. There is a big festival going on right now in Monster Hunter. It's the Sizzling Summer Festival. And I've been running this one quest for the last four days. And because the way this works is you run a quest, get parts from the monster, and then you basically go to the melder and you combine the parts together to generate three random weapons that normally would be very shitty to get. I have literally gotten every fucking weapon except for the one that I wanted of every weapon class. And I've officially ran out of reagents. So now I have to farm the reagents. So fuck me. But I can't stop playing it because I love Monster Hunter. <laughs> By the way, if you play Fantasy Star Online 2, from now until, oh I believe, the launch of New Genesis, every single time that you log in, you're getting five uh, 100,000 experience tickets. All right, I might be logging in. <laughs> every single day. Every you said five 5,000? Or five 500,000? Five one hundred thousand. Oh, so you get half a million a day. From now until the end of the festival that they got going on, you can net. I believe it was five million experience, but they cut it down. They they well, it's been a few days since the thing launched. So just just log in and get your fucking experience <laughs> things. Get your free shit. That's all I'm gonna say. Just get your free shit. Get your free shit. So. Again, thank you for everyone for tuning in. Uh, if you like what you hear, go check us out on our social medias, on uh, Twitch, on Twitter, all that shit. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.